Today we are beginning part four of our identity series, and uh, we are super excited about what God has been doing through this series. And the goal, as I've been saying week after week, the goal of this series is to teach us how to find our identity vertically, that is who God says we are, rather than horizontally, which is who we say we are, who culture says we are, or who other people say we are. And um, today, as we come to week four, we're going to talk about the restoration of our original identity that was given in the garden. And so just to catch you up to speed, the first two weeks was our identity that was given. Last week, we talked about how our identity was lost through sin that entered into the world. And so today, as we come to a conclusion of the identity series, we're talking about the restoration of our identity. And again, if I was to be able to sum up our identity in one short sentence, your identity is God made you and Jesus saved you. So that's it. That's where we want to look. That's where we want to go for identity and, and finding our value and worth is that God himself made us and Jesus himself saved us. So before we get into the restoration part of our identity, I, I do want to just give a little bit of context if you have uh, missed the last couple of weeks or uh, have not been able to listen to the podcast yet. I want to catch us up to speed. So week one, we were talking about our identity that was given, and that is primarily, it says in Genesis chapter one, that we were created by God. So our primary identity is that we are creatures. So when, when we, the creatures, look inward to ourselves, that is horizontally for identity, who we think we are, we're, we're going to fall miserably short of who we truly are. But when we, the creatures, look to the creator, that is again upward vertically for identity, who God, the creator, says we are, we're going to have a proper understanding of who we truly are. So that was week one. We are creatures. We were created by God. Therefore, identity is found when we look to God, our creator for identity. Week two, we talked about how we were created in the image of God. And so we are image bearers of God himself. And God created us in his image to reflect who he is and to show his greatness to the world. So that's the whole point of an image, right? It's to replicate and show the original. And so because God made us in his image, this is our, our purpose in life, is to show who God is and, and not who we are. And the reality is the more we know God, the more that we understand his worth, and consequently, the more we're also going to discover who we are and our worth, because our worth, our identity, our value is found in him, because we were created in his image. So uh, week three, last week, we talked about how the image of God, which we were created in, was was marred when sin entered into the world. So because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, the what, what we call in theology the fall, the fall of man, we now, all humans, are born sinful both by nature and choice. And although we still bear the image of God, the reality is living in a fallen world, we choose to display our own image and we choose to create our own identities. And this was not the way that God ever intended it to be. In man's original state of righteousness and innocence in the Garden of Eden, there was this open, free-flowing relationship between God and man. And we see that God walked with man in the cool of 
of the garden and, and man perfectly knew God and God was perfectly satisfied with man in the way that he created him. And, and man in his original state was able to perfectly reflect and image the creator to creation because there was this perfect relationship between God and man. However, again, when sin entered into the world, the the consequence of that was a severed relationship because of man's disobedience. So when Adam and Eve rebelled, there was a, a, a lack of personal intimacy in man's relationship with God, and man lost the ability to perfectly, rightfully image his maker in the way that he was created to. And so we talked about last week, now, an identity that we're born with, sadly, in a fallen world is sinner. We're born with sin. And and this means that we're incomplete in three different ways. Number one, we're born spiritually incomplete. That means that that we, in the state we're born in, do not have fellowship with God in the way that we were created to. So we're spiritually incomplete. Number two, we're morally incomplete. And, and this means we are born living morally outside the will of God. We we live for ourselves. We set our own morals. We choose what's right and wrong. And so we're born morally incomplete. And then number three, living in a fallen world, we are born mentally incomplete. And, and this is because we don't know the ultimate source of truth. We're born into this world not knowing what truth is or even more who truth is. And so this all of this is really a result of sin entering into the world. Again, it produced a a marring of the image of God in the way that God created us. But what we're going to see today is that although our identity as image bearers of God was marred by sin, which is what we talked about last week, in Christ, it's fully restored. The, the image of God that was broken, our selfishness, which wanted to show our own greatness, man, that's fully restored and done away with in the person of Jesus. And so in Jesus, we become three things. Number one, spiritually complete, meaning we're able to have fellowship with God, which is what he created us for. He created us to have fellowship with him. He created us to have an intimate relationship with him. So in Christ, we become spiritually complete. Number two, We become morally complete because Jesus Christ himself takes all of our moral failures upon himself on the cross. And now in Christ, in that personal relationship with Christ, we're morally complete. Jesus takes away our moral failures. And then number three, in Christ, we become mentally complete because we now know the ultimate truth, the ultimate source of truth, Jesus Christ himself, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so again, in Jesus, uh, the, the image of God is completely restored in the way that God created us to be from the beginning. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, where we see this primarily. And we're going to be flipping around a little bit this morning, so uh, get your Bible fingers ready to go here. But I wanted to start by looking at Philippians chapter 2. And uh, look down with me, if you would, at verse 5. He says this, "...have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus." who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Listen to that. Verse 8, and then he says, in being found in human form, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even 
death on a cross. This is what we call in theology, the incarnation, that God, the creator, became a part of his creation, that God himself became a man and he was created in the likeness of men. I love what one scholar said about the incarnation. This is amazing. He said, the spirit took on flesh, the creator became creation, the timeless entered into time, the omnipresent entered into one place, the one seated on a throne became born in a barn, the one surrounded by angels in glory was surrounded by sinners, the one living in eternal heavenly riches came to live in earthly poverty. Man, how crazy is that? How mind-blowing is that? That the God of this universe became one of us. Now, check this out. God created us in his likeness and in his image. And then we see in Philippians chapter two, verse seven, it says that he, Jesus was born in the likeness of men. Now you got to understand that God was only able to send his son and be born in the likeness of men. That was only possible because man bore the image of God and was made in the likeness of God. And so if we humans, were not created in the image and likeness of God, it would not have been possible for the Son to become incarnate and be born in the likeness of men. But God himself, he made us in his image and in his likeness. And when we screwed that up and the image of God was marred, because of sin, God said, well, since man was created in my image and likeness, he was able to send his son in our likeness to take on human flesh. So, man, th- this is mind-blowing. Why would he do this? Why Why would God send his son in our likeness after he had created us in his likeness. That seems so backwards. Like, man, God made us in his likeness, in his image. We screwed up. And so he said, you know what? I still have a plan. I'm going to send my son in your likeness. Why would he do this? Well, the reality is we as humans, we needed a human to show us what it looked like to accurately represent and reflect God's image. So check this out. This is what we needed because we humans were made in the image of God. We were created to show the world God's greatness, God's glory. Because we failed in that, we needed a human representative. We needed another human like us to to be able to show us what it was to live and accurately reflect and represent God's image. And that's what Jesus came to do. He became a human. He took on flesh. He was made in the likeness of men to show us who God was. It says specifically in Colossians 1 verse 15, this is amazing. It says he is the image of the invisible God. Listen to that. He, the person of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Now check this out. Again, because of sin, we humans had no way of of knowing God or imaging him in the way that we were created to. But Jesus has enabled finite man to see what the infinite God is like because he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He bears the fullness of the image of God. Now, check this out. You need to be able to mark the distinction here. Man was made in the image of God, but Jesus Christ 
is the image of God. So man was made in it, but Jesus is it. He is the fullness of the image of God. And so we as humans, as we're trying to find purpose in life and and understand, man, what does it mean? How, How do I accurately reflect and represent God? How do I do that? We look to the person of Jesus because he is the image of God and we were made in the image of God. And so when we made in God's image, look to the person of Jesus who is God's image. We we see what it is to fully be human and to reflect and represent God on this earth. And that's what we were created to do. Hebrews 1.3 takes it a step further and tells us this, speaking of Jesus, it says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Did you catch that? He, Jesus, he's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So if we want to know what God is like, which we need to find that out because we were made in his likeness, which means we're meant to show the world what God's like. If we want to know what he's like, all we got to do is look to Jesus because he is the exact imprint of his nature. And he, Jesus, again, was a human he, he was a human like all of us. And so we're, we're able to look at him and, and understand him. We're able to say, man, I can relate to him because he took on flesh like us. I love again what another commentator said. He said, in Jesus, divine love throbbed in a human heart. Divine compassion glistened in a human eye. Divine grace poured forth from human lips. Divine wisdom was cradled in a human brain. And this is amazing, guys, because we see that Jesus, as a human, did what we humans were supposed to do. He had divine love the way that God created us to have in his human heart. He had divine compassion the the way that we're supposed to have compassion in his human eye. He had divine grace the way that we're supposed to show grace to people flowing forth from his lips. He had divine wisdom in his human brain in the way that God created us to have wisdom. And so this is why why Jesus in John 14 verse 9 was able to actually say, whoever has seen me has seen the father. And again, this was what what people thought at this time was heretical. People thought that Jesus was making himself equal with God. And this is ultimately why he was crucified and put to death was because he was saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He was saying me and the father are one because he, again, Jesus, he is the fullness of the image of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. And at the same time, he was a human. He, God, became like one of us. And he did this. He became like us for for two things primarily. Number one, which we've already talked about, to show us what God is like. If you're a note taker, write that down. He, Jesus, became like us to show us what God is like. And, and, And he did that as a human. Number two, though, he also had to become like us in order to remove the identity we received from Adam, which is what we talked about last week, which was sinner. And I want to get into this a little bit because this is so important. In order for the image of God to be fully restored in us as humans, we had to have our identity 
humanity, which was not intended uh, at creation, which which came as a result of the fall. We have to have that identity sinner done away with in order to have the image of God fully restored in us. And this is also why Jesus came. Show us what God is like. And number two, to remove our sinful identity and restore the image of God in us. I want you to flip to Hebrews chapter two, where where we're going to see this in just an amazing and powerful way. So Hebrews chapter two, and uh, once you're there, you can look down at verse 14. We're going to read verse 14 through verse 17. Listen to this. It says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that that's us, we're humans. He himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now look down at verse 17, therefore, He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now, I want you to check this out here. He, it says, he had to be made like us. Again, we were made in the image and likeness of God. And then God sent his son made like us in every way. And he had to do that. He had to be made like us in every way, fully human, taking on flesh and blood. He had to do that in order to make, it says, propitiation for our sins and to set us free from sin's wages, which was death. Because of sin, the wages of sin is death. We all deserve of death. But Jesus himself went to the cross and being innocent as a human, having been the only person who fully and accurately reflected and represented the image of God, he went to the cross and bore the death and took the sin upon himself. He took the death that we deserved. And in that moment, when he was taking our sin upon himself on the cross, in that moment, as he was dying on the cross, he was the propitiation for our sins. And what that word propitiation means is the satisfaction of wrath, which means this, all of the wrath and the anger that God justly and rightly has towards sin in the world because he hates sin, all of God's wrath and anger towards sin, my sin, your sin, my past, present, and future sins, all of that was taken out, all of that wrath was poured out upon his own son who was a human on the cross and therefore all of the wrath that God had at one point in time towards me because of my sin, it's been done away with. Jesus, the human, Jesus who took on flesh and blood, Jesus who was made in the likeness of men is the propitiation for our sins. God's wrath is completely satisfied in his son. So now when God looks at you, when God sees you, when God sees me, he doesn't see us through through eyes of wrath, although I, I still am deserving of it, although today and tomorrow and this week we probably will sin. God now sees us in a new way because his anger and his wrath towards sin is done away with through his son, Jesus, who came in the likeness of men. 
So this is incredible. This is why he had to be made like us. This is why the incarnation is so important. This is why God had to become a human because it took a human in order to take the sin of humans so that we could be made right before God. And it took a human made in the image of God, Jesus, who is the image of God, in order to ultimately fulfill and accurately reflect who God is to us. And we now see that in the person of Jesus. So he came, Jesus, again, number one, to show us what God is like. He is the image of God. And he removed our identity as sinners, which we inherited from the fall. He's the propitiation for our sins. He's freed us from the wages of our sin, which is death. And I want you to flip back also to the book of Romans chapter five, where where we see this so clearly. In Paul's theology, Romans chapter 5 is a comparison of, of what we inherited from Adam, our first father, and then what we now receive in Christ, which is freedom from the things that Adam really brought into the world. Romans chapter 5, and look down, if you would, at verse 17. It says, For if because of one man's trespass... Death reigned through that one man, this is speaking of Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, that was Adam in the garden, led to condemnation for all of us because we're humans who came after him. So one act of righteousness, Jesus's act of righteousness, going to the cross, taking our sin upon himself, it says leads to justification and life for all men. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, Many were made sinners. We talked about that last week. That's our identity in Adam. We're sinners. It says, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Is this amazing? Adam brought forth sin. In Adam, we inherited that sin. Well, Jesus brought forth righteousness. And in Jesus, we are made completely righteous. In Christ, we're no longer defined by our sin, but we're defined by his righteousness because we bear his image. We were made in God's image. And because of what Jesus did taking on our image, we now inherit his righteousness. The act that he did going to the cross, the most righteous act in the history of the world, taking the guilt, taking the sin, taking the shame that we deserve. He took that all. So we are no longer under Adam. We now are defined and find our identity in the person of Christ and in his righteousness, which is why it tells us 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new in Jesus you are a new creation. You're a new creature. You're no longer defined by your past. You no longer have to be weighed down by the condemnation and the guilt and the shame that you feel for the things that you've done. In Christ, you are completely freed from that. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation. And so, in Christ, you guys, we receive a new identity. We're a new creation. And this new identity is actually a renewed identity. It's what we were originally created to, to have. It was what, what our original identity was. That is image bearers of God. In the person of Jesus, 
the fullness of the image of God is renewed in us. It becomes our new and renewed identity. We become who we were created to be from the beginning. Listen to this. Colossians 3 verses 9 and 10. This is amazing. He says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, that's our sinful nature, and you've put on the new self, which we receive in Christ, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Did you catch that? That's that's the Colossians 3, verse 9 and 10. Verse 10 says that this new self is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, which means this. In Christ, we, we are a new creation and our new man, our new self is being renewed after the image of its creator. God created us in his image, but because of sin, that image was marred. We didn't do what we were supposed to do, but in Christ, the image of God is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In Christ, we're getting back what was lost at the fall. In Christ, we're becoming the fullness of who we were created to be originally in the garden. Listen to this, Ephesians 4. Verse 22 through 24, Paul, the apostle writes, put off your old self, again, the, the old man, which we received from Adam, put that off, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Did you catch that? He says that our new man is being renewed. We're being renewed in the spirit of our minds, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So check this out. Back in our week one and week two of the series, we were talking about we were created in the image and the likeness of God. And although sin entered into the world, we see now that in Christ, the new man who we are in Christ is created after the image and after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The new man, the new woman that you are in Christ bears the fullness of the image of God and is created after the likeness of God. You become who God always intended you to be in Jesus, in Christ. When you see yourself and find your identity vertically based on what he, Jesus, has done for you on the cross, that's our identity. It's what Christ has already done. And when we see and receive and believe in what Christ has done for us by becoming a human, by taking away our sin and our guilt and our shame, we become a new man. We become new people created in, renewed in the image and the likeness of God in righteousness and in holiness. And this is so encouraging, you guys, because although we we still bear now the fullness of the image and the likeness of God. We can be so quick to to judge ourselves and to condemn ourselves uh, and to and to plague ourselves with shame and to make ourselves feel guilty for all the things that we've done. But we now are are renewed. You're a renewed creature in Christ. Christ's righteousness and holiness is imparted to us, as Romans eight twenty nine says. Those who He Jesus foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed 
conformed to the image of God. You in Christ are being conformed to the image of God. Man in Christ is conformed to the image of God. We inherit and receive and have renewed that image of God which was lost because of sin. And so when we come to Christ... When we see and recognize and understand all that Christ has done for us, we will discover who we truly were meant to be, which is image bearers of God. In Jesus, through Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, we get back our identity that was lost at the fall. And in Christ, because of our new identity, we now find meaning and purpose for our lives. And so vertical identity, which is what we've been talking about this whole entire series, vertical identity is rooted in worshiping God as Savior. This is where we find vertical identity at its climax. When we look vertically to the cross, when we look at what Jesus did for us, when we look at the fact that Jesus literally took on our sin, that Jesus was made in the likeness of men, that he came to save us from our sin and to show us what God is like. Vertical identity is now rooted in worshiping God as Savior. And what that means, worshiping God as Savior, it means the greatest thing in life that you can ever be called is not a husband or a wife. It's not a father or a mother. It's not a boss or employee of the year. It's not being called successful or rich or famous. The greatest thing that you can be called in life is an image bearer of God. And that's who you are. And that's how God made you. And this establishes vertical identity by reminding us that the most wonderful thing that could ever happen in this life already has happened in Jesus. Your salvation and your reconciliation to God, it's already happened. And, and, and we already now have had happened in our life the greatest thing which we could ever long for it. That's happened in Jesus. He's accomplished it. He saved us and he's made a way for us to have a relationship with the Father, which God always intended for us to have. That's why he made us in his image. And so as we come to a close, you will know that you have become who God's created you to be when living for God's glory and when reflecting his image is what brings you the most joy in life. This is how you'll know you've found vertical identity. Again, when, when the things in life that bring you the most joy, when the things in life that bring you the most happiness are showing God's greatness, are showing God's attributes, is reflecting God's image to the world and not your own. But if your your greatest joy in life is still rooted in, in horizontal things such as money, such as material things, such as relationships or success or being highly esteemed by people or living for yourself, you are yet to discover who you truly are. If these horizontal temporary things are really what brings us the most joy, then we have not fully understood the new person that we are in Christ and the renewed identity that we receive in the person of Christ as image bearers of God. So my encouragement to you guys is, man, let's continue to look to the person of Jesus. Let's continue to live our lives for our glory. And as we continue to pursue that personal relationship with the God of the universe, 
who created us in his image and likeness and sent his son in our likeness to restore us and to reconcile us. Let's continue to look to the person of Jesus. And as we do that, you will discover who God created you to be in him. Your identity is God made you and Jesus saved you.